Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. This 50th season of Admirals Hockey, we have had the thrill to talk to so many uh, players and management types and coaches and trainers, and we've heard some great stories and had some some great people on, and uh, this week certainly no exception. Um, one of my favorites, even though I was only around for maybe f- seven of his games, I think, in the American Hockey League with the Admirals, he's one of my favorites. Uh, longtime NHL player, now an assistant with the Kelowna Rockets, Vern Fiddler. Vern, it's great to talk to you. Great to see you. How's everything going? Everything's great. Uh, you know, trying to reconnect with the family here from, you know, uh, what was a lot, what, what we thought was going to be a longer hockey season, but uh, connect, reconnecting with the kids and my wife and, um, you know, we're, we're trying to get through this COVID thing, but, you know, it, it's been a really good time for our family to reconnect and spend lots of time with each other. So, I'm grateful for that and doing great up here in British Columbia. You know, it's interesting that you said connect and what was going to be a longer season. It was definitely going to be a longer season for you because Kelowna was supposed to host the Memorial Cup this year, right? Yeah, we were, uh, you know, we were really looking forward to it when, uh, you know, the Rockets uh, phoned me last summer just with an opportunity to potentially come back and help coach and, you know, we were ho- they were hosting a Memorial Cup. It really had a big impact on me, you know, leaving my position with the Dallas Stars. And, um, you know, although I was very disappointed, there's a lot of young men that were disappointed too that, you know, they were going to get one last chance to, whether it's to earn a contract or, or earn, earn a position at the pro level the next year. Um, it was a very, very tough day to uh, send those young boys home with really no answer of what was going to go on with their future, whether – um, you know, we were going to finish the season or they were going to come back for playoffs or it was just, you know, we were just cashing it in and, and that was the season, which it ended up being. So it was very disappointing to have to let those boys know that the season was done. And, you know, for that, uh, for the other side of it, we, we weren't going to host a Memorial Cup. And, you know, the city of Kelowna really rallied behind the team and they were looking forward to hosting, you know, people from all over the world. And, um, you know, we didn't get that opportunity, but it looks like we'll get that back in a few years. We'll be able to build a team and get ready for that. And, uh, you know, for me, it's it's a chance for me to help build a team and, and get ready for that Memorial Cup uh, uh, championship tournament come two, three years down the road. I, I was actually going to – I wanted to get into this uh, a little bit later, but since we're here now, how was your transition going from – uh, and obviously you're an NHL, a veteran NHL player, and then you got in the front office with Dallas and suddenly you're back in the Western league and you're out in Kelowna. That's a long way. Kelowna to, to Winnipeg or, uh, to Winnipeg didn't have a team, but a Kelowna to, to, uh, farthest East team. That's a long trip. Uh, how was that adjustment for you? And, uh, how's your back? Yeah, you know what? The first road trip, uh, I, I was super excited. I was like, you know, we're getting out on the road. And uh, I asked the one coach, it's like, and it's not that I didn't know that we were going to be riding the bus, but, you know, after practice, I'm like, hey, what's, uh, what time what time's the wheels up? And he looked at me and he said, what do you mean? I go, well, what time's the wheels up? What time are we leaving? He goes, well, there'll be no wheels up. He's like, you know, <laughs> you know we're busing. You know, I said, I know that. But, you know, it was just like, 15, 16, 17 years of just, you know, hey, what time are the wheels up? Wheel, what time right. are we flying out on our private plane and, you know, we eat whatever we want on the plane. So it went from riding these buses from where, where we are in the west, in the west side of uh, Canada. We, we don't have the far, like the long trips. Like our, you know, we have like five, six hour trips that, you know, that's really our max. But when we go out east to like Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, Winnipeg actually does have a team now. Um, you know, we go halfway. So we'll go like a couple days before and we'll, you know, they'll take the boys to Calgary and they can go, we'll take them shopping or, you sure. know, whatever, have a couple practices and then we'll, we'll make our way on with another five or six hour day. So, you know, and our owner is, is, treats us well. He spoils us. We have a uh, custom bus. So we have recliners that, you know, fold back into sleepers and, uh, you know, we have Wi-Fi and big screen TVs to watch movies and video, <coughs> but we're very spoiled. Most teams don't have that, but I was very fortunate enough to be able to get the shotgun seat on the bus where we have a recliner. That's good. That, that's got to be a little bit different from the, from your days of playing in the, in the Western league, huh? Oh, big time. 
we didn't even get a seat. We got a cooler or my rookie year. We, we used to have to sit on a cooler or sit at a milk crate at the front of the bus to keep the bus driver awake. Oh, God. <laughs> that was, as a, as a 16-year-old, that was your job. The first-year guys, you get up there and you make sure that Russ or whatever his name was stays awake, huh? Yeah, well, we actually might – they're actually still – they're still in charge. Of, well, they drive a little bit, but not not on road trips. But they, their names were Roger and Remo, and they were our bus drivers. And they would get fighting at the front. They were brothers. They're like Romanian brothers, you know. And uh, they they have these really thick a- accents, and you knew you knew shit was going down at the front at the front of the bus when they started arguing about you know you're not driving fast enough or like slow down around that corner, and and they would get bickering back and forth at each other. So. It was pretty funny, but as soon as we started hitting the rumble strips, one of the rookies would get called up front, and you know, we had to keep keep the bus driver awake. I I tell people when Kirk Muller became the Admirals head coach after years playing in the NHL and coaching in the NHL, and he becomes the Admirals head coach, and the first trip is a four-hour bus ride to Peoria, which you made a few of. Actually, you probably didn't because Peoria no. wasn't in the list. Uh, it's a four-hour bus trip to Peoria, and I look up, you know, I'm sitting two seats behind Kirk, and I can just kind of see his sh- shoulders shrink. He's just sinking in his seat like, what have I signed up for? Like, I yeah. can't believe this is happening. Right. Was, yeah. that, was that uh, – how how, they always talk about coaches on the bench. you got to be even keel. Did you, do you have to remind yourself on the, bus, the first couple of bus rides that you got to be even keel and not show too much emotion? <laughs> you know what? I, I'm a guy that makes the best out of everything, and – you know, we, we would get the crib board out and we'd watch movies. And to be honest, uh, you know, for, for me being behind the bench and, and being in charge of the forwards and the power play, I, I used a lot of that time on the on the bus to get ready for like my week ahead of me. So, sure. you know, I took advantage of pre-scouting and, and watching the other teams, what, what they're doing on their penalty kill, stuff like that. So, you know, four or five hour day uh on the computer is is not that much for a coach so um you know i I just took advantage of the time if i wanted to you know shut my eyes for a little bit shut my eyes and before you know it you're you know you're there our our bus driver justin he he hauls ass with the best of them so he doesn't uh he doesn't uh you know he's not doesn't mess around no he's not going through the motion so we we usually pick up 45 minutes to an hour on every bus trip that's incredible there's no there's no governor on the bus there's nothing uh this this bus this bus they they just bought uh was a brand new bus and our our owner likes everything to be the best and he treats us so good like everything we get there's no price tag there's everything just has to be the best and i remember when they hired our new bus driver he came in for the first preseason game and he, he's like looking at this bus and he's like, you know, checking it out. And uh, yeah, they, they're, they managed, I don't know, Roger and Remo managed to get that governor off somehow. <laughs> Just thankfully they weren't driving it. I remember, I get to, to your playing career here. I remember uh, when Rich Peverly came out of the ECHL, he signs with Milwaukee and then he eventually signs an, an NHL deal. And I remember talking to Claude Noel about that. And Claude says to me, he can skate. That's why he made it this far. He, and he, but he quickly said your name. He said, just like Vernon Fiddler, he can skate. And that's why he made it to where he's at. How come you weren't drafted or, or anything like that? Because you certainly had the career that would make one think that you were a draft pick. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, I had a couple you know, decent years in Kelowna. And... Um, my draft year in Kelowna, um, you know, I was I, at the start of the season, uh, I, I was kind of in and out of the lineup. And, um, you know, I don't think necessarily I was doing exactly what the coaches wanted. I always had the skills and I was a little bit of a late bloomer. I played uh, as a 17 year old in the Western Hockey League and I, w- I wasn't even drafted to the Kelowna Rockets. I just walked on and I made the team. Um, and I think it was just like a lot of the belief, like later on, I knew I was a late bloomer, but I knew I started to believe in myself where I thought, well, you know what, I'm just as good as these guys that are drafted. And I started getting better and better and just kept working on my skills. I, you know, I didn't get, uh, you know, caught up in the, well, I'm better than this guy or better than that guy. I just, I just kept my, uh, my, you know, my, my nose to the grindstone and, and just kept working and working and, 
Uh, I worked with a skating coach in uh, Kelowna that really turned my, my career around and, and he taught me how to like conserve my energy on the ice. So I had more energy at end, end of shifts and really cleaned up my stride. And I felt once I became that, that, that high end skater, um, that's when it really started to take off. It just took me a little bit longer than it does for some guys. And I was just kind of fell between the cracks. And um, I remember getting uh, an opportunity to go to a Minnesota wild uh, camp and you know what? I, I, I was just like, I felt like, you know what? I'm, I'm not far off from, from like the same level as these guys. And it just gave me that confidence where, you know what? I'm going to make the NHL. I'm, it's just going to take me a little bit longer. And I was so lucky with the development coaches that I had, which I signed in uh, Roanoke, Virginia, um, to go play in the East Coast League. But then I got called up to Norfolk. And Trent Yanni was one of the coaches. Well, he was the only coach. We only had one coach. And he was so good with me. He would work with me, not only on the ice with the physical side of it, but the mental side. Like, he used to tell me, he goes, like that, that's a third round draft pick right there by the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, you're better than him. He used to tell me that stuff that gave me that confidence. And, you know, I ended up playing there. And, and then uh, after that season ended in May, I Nashville came knocking along with a couple other teams that were trying to sign me. And um, I remember Brent Peterson and um, can't remember who was with them came to Hershey and, you know, I, I chatted with them and they, you know, talked to me about being interested in, you know, potentially signing me once the playoffs were over and ended up becoming a Nashville Predator and just working my way up. But a lot of it just came from being a little bit of a late bloomer and, you know, taking opportunity of uh, or making the best of my opportunity that Nashville gave me. And that, that started in Milwaukee and Claude Noel was great with me. Peter Horacek was great with me to talk about these coaches that help you develop not only on the ice, but off the ice and really taught me how to be a professional every day. So you, you mentioned that you had a few teams after you. What was appealing to, about Nashville? Was it that they're still a young organization and that, you know, you can see yourself, you know, that they don't have any, they don't have their guys, so to speak, right? Like you can get in there and get seen as opposed to a Detroit or another more established team that's been drafting guys for, you know, forever that they've got to go, they've got to give these guys their due diligence. Whereas maybe you can catch an eye uh, because your organization's so young. Was that a thought in your process? Yeah. You know what? Being that young, I, it was a lot of it was to do with my agent, but um, like money, obviously they were offering me the most money as a signing bonus, which sure. as a young 20 year old, you're like, yeah, we're, we're, it doesn't matter where I'm going. I just want some money. Like I want <laughs> signing bonus. But at that point I didn't really care because it was an NHL contract, which, the year before I was making 425 bucks a week um, that following November, I was flying on a private plane uh, of Craig Leopold's from, from Milwaukee to Nashville to, to make my NHL debut or meet the team to go to LA to make my NHL debut. But yeah, it's like, it's, it, it was crazy. A lot of it had to do with Barry Trotz too. I remember talking to Barry Trotz before and, you know, you know, they, they talked about me being a Western League guy and they didn't care about my pedigree. They didn't care that I wasn't drafted. They just thought that I potentially could become a, a, an NHL player. And with opportunity, they figured that, you know, uh, the way I skated and the, the way that my brain worked, they felt that I was going to really fit into their organization, their systems. And uh, at, at times I was like, ah, these guys are bullshitting me to get me signed. But they were being truthful they, they told me like you have potential to play within the next two years and on the Nashville Predators and uh, it didn't take long I got a call in November to, to make my NHL debut so uh, you know hard work uh, opportunity and you know just it, it paid off to sign with Nashville. When you get that call to go up Vern do you think you're going to be there forever or what what is your thought because you were talking about how your confidence had been built and and was building what when you finally get that call or you're like all right this is the start of a 20 year career Yeah you know what like it it it's just another stepping stone right like you get there and you're like I remember after the game my they had flown my mom and dad in and you know we were all so nervous like we didn't know what the hell was going on like you know like my, my mom and dad like still couldn't believe that that was happening. Like I was playing in the East coast hockey league, you know, the prior year and yeah. now I'm making my NHL debut 
um, you know, they had flown my mom and dad in and like, they're getting there. We're at the fanciest hotel in, in LA and my mom and dad are like, what is going on? Like, is this going to really happen? Like, I remember my mom even saying like a couple of times, are you sure you're, 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 you know, you're, you're playing. I'm like, mom, they've announced it. Like I'm making my NHL debut tonight. Like, and they were like, just like, wow, like this is insane. And I remember, um, the team service guy, Greg Harvey, he, he said, uh, he came to me before the game and he said, and this is something I always wanted when, when uh, my mom and dad were in the building. I knew they were there. I always had to know where they were sitting. And I said, could, he came to me and he's like, is there anything you need? And I said, yeah, I just really like to know where my mom and dad are sitting. So, you know, I can, you know, it, it just, I won't be distracted. I just want to know where they're sitting. He goes, no problem. I'll find that out for you. And I remember coming out for warm up, and I remember seeing them and I like, they must've been there right when the door opened. They, they just didn't want to miss it. Right. Miss anything. And I just remember. Yeah. I remember looking up and I could just, my dad was just like nervous. I know when, when, when I'm playing good, my dad sits back and when my dad's nervous and he's not feeling that I'm playing the greatest, he always leaned forward. Uh, and that was one thing I could gauge my game off of. And I remember looking up at my dad and they're, you know, they're in the lower bowl. They're like four or five rows from the, from the tops, like where the second bowl would start. And I just remember looking at my dad and he's following me around and warm up. I stopped the stretch and look up at them. And like, he was just, you could just tell he was nervous. He was ready to puke. He, he couldn't believe that that was going on. And then, you know, like I remember, but I remember saying to my dad after the game, like he said, like, how was it? Like, how did you feel? Like your speed? I said, I, I felt like I fit in. Like I, I only played about seven or eight minutes, but I remember saying, I said to my dad after I said, dad, I could play in this league. I, I, I feel, I feel like I could really fit into this league. And I, I think I only ended up playing two or three games, but you know, you got sent back down the next injury. You got called back up. You made another impression. Someone would come back from, injury you'd get sent back down so I was up or down probably 10 or 12 times that year and you know just worked my way in and the, the, finally the waiver the waiver uh, thing came in and you know they couldn't send me down anymore so they, they had no choice but to keep me. <laughs> did, did you have in that first game out in LA did you have a, a, a welcome to the NHL moment where it's like you look up and you know like maybe it's you're seeing your parents out there your dad's about to barf or it's you line up against a guy. Uh, did, did you have that, uh, what, that my first NHL game moment? Yeah, you know what it was? It was, uh, my, I remember my first game. Um, uh, I, 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 like, I was like looking across at, at players and I like, like I watched these guys play in my hometown. And when I went and go watch the Edmonton Oilers, like, and I remember like, you know, playing street hockey and, you know, the older players, like there was Paul Fee and, you know, Jason Allison, like these big, huge, like burly men that like, I, I remember like watching these guys at 14 years old, skate around in warm ups with no helmets on it in Edmonton. And now I'm like lining up against them. It was like, it, it was, it was like surreal because I, I honestly still didn't believe it was going on, but you know, you're sitting in Staples center and it's sold out and, I've watched so many games on TV in that building and it was just like, you look across and you know, the, the, these players have their chest hair coming out of the top of their Jersey. And it was just like, Holy shit. Like I finally made it. Like I, I better, I better get going here. Or I'm going to get killed. Yeah. Right. Do you remember if you guys won or lost that game? I think we lost in overtime. If I, if I remember, because I had to put up like 500 bucks on the board and I was like, you know, I had no money. Yeah. 500 bucks. And I was like, holy shit. Like if we win this game, I got to give the, the kitty fund a $500 check. Right. So, <laughs> so do you come off the ice after that first game? I got to imagine that's tough. Like you just played your first NHL game. Like your parents were there. You must be like, you're, you're proud, but then you got to be like, God, we lost. So you can't be. You know, no. you've got, you got to keep it to Terribly yourself, excited, yeah. but there's, there's also the, Hey, I'm an NHL guy now. Yeah. You know what? It was cool. They, they, um, like, I remember a couple of the guys, Bill Holder, a couple of the older guys, uh, Scott Walker came to me and said, Hey, no matter what happens, like you're never going to play your first NHL game again. So just enjoy it. Like they were. And then after the game, I remember all the older guys coming and shaking my hand and being like, you know, great job. You didn't, you know, look out of place there. Like, how was it? Like, and I, I was just on top of the world and I remember going, 
you know, after and seeing my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle would come in and like all my siblings. So it was, uh, it was unreal to go and just hug them because forever I would be able to say I played the game in the NHL. But then I know I remember thinking to myself, I just don't want to be that guy that played one NHL Plays game. One I want game. to play. Yeah. I want to play more. I, I I know I can play here. So that that then that that's where my head got to. I was like, I want to play another one. And it was Greg Johnson that was hurt, and I remember um, them like rehabbing him. And I remember our trainer said, you know what, you're probably going to play again next game because he's not ready to go. And I was like, oh sweet, like you know, I'm going to get another game, right? And Brent Peterson came to me after and said, you know, great job. You did a great job, you know, get ready for the next game. And, you know, that, that was my mental approach to it. And uh, I think I, I played one more against Phoenix and then I got sent back. Greg Johnson came back. So I got sent back down to Milwaukee. When you came to Milwaukee, Vern, that was kind of the start. As Charlie said, Nashville was starting to get their guys in. Their, their draft picks were starting to come into the organization, and you're playing with, with these guys. And uh, that first season with Peter Horacek, something was building, um, obviously the championship the next season. But what did you see from, from these young guys that came in? Yourself a young guy, I guess, at the same time. But uh, you come in, and there's Hadar, and there's Finley, and there's uh, these guys that uh, that – would be a big part of, of what the Milwaukee Admirals were over the next four seasons. Yeah. You know what it was, they had, they had a lot of good prospects with Darren Hadar, you know, they had Andrew Hutchinson, they Dan had ha- uh, Dan Hamhuis, Dan Hamhuis, Brian, Brian Finley. They had, you know, we had all kinds of guys, but then they also mixed what they did a really good job was they mixed in a lot of great older guys that, you know, really kept us young guys uh, accountable and, uh, Brad Tiley, which was a great guy, Wyatt Smith, they they taught us, like I now thinking back to it, those guys really taught us how to be professionals. And when they needed to give us shit, they would give us shit. Or when they needed to be a good guy to us, they they would they taught us how to come to practice and work. Because there's some days where you're a 21-year-old, 20-year-old kid, and all you'd want to do is just fuck around all practice and, you know, <laughs> laugh and but they would be like, listen, we got 45 minutes, pick it up, start making passes on the tape. They really taught us to, to be those, those good professionals. Tony Herc is another guy who came in a little bit later, but those, just, those guys took our team and they molded us young guys um, around a, a team that we just were, we loved being around each other. And because of those older guys, us, they made us younger guys feel part of everything. And I think that's what was so special about our group was, you know, we, we were all in it together. Claude was talking about that 03-04 campaign that there were a few moments where he had to get the leadership group together to make sure everybody was pulling the same direction. He said it, it would get a little loosey-goosey. Do you remember things? And were you involved in those those meetings? Yeah, well, I was a younger guy, but um, I, I, I know that there was at times – because Milwaukee was uh, – you know, it was an easy, t- easy place to go for beers and, you know, go for wings. And, you know, as a young, as young kids, you, you, you know, you're now you're making a little bit of money. So you're, you know, we're out for beers during taking the Taking advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking advantage of it, but we, we all have never lived on our own. We're all coming from, you know, junior or college where it was, you know, everything was strict. And, but now all of a sudden we got a little bit of freedom and we get playing cards in the afternoon and then, you know, our practice might get, you know, a little bit, uh, out of balance the next day where we start to get in shit. So, you know, those older guys, like I said, they did a great job, you know, reeling us in and teaching us that, you know, there's going to be times where we're going to have fun, but then there's going to be times where we really got to go to work. And, um, you know, we learned, we learned the hard way a couple of times with, with, uh, coach Noel, but, uh, you know, lessons learned and we, we got better from it and move forward from it. Before, before uh, Charlie, I'm sorry to interrupt, but before Charlie talks, I, one of those leaders that was the captain, Ray Schultz, and we've talked so much about other people on that team, but I've never, I've never asked specifically about Ray Schultz. What kind of a leader was Ray Schultz? You know, he was an unreal leader. He, uh, you know, he, he had, he had played in the NHL a little bit, and you know, he's a really rough, rugged D-man that was really well respected in our room. And um, I remember one time. He called, I think it was, I want to say it was like Matthew Darsh or maybe Greg Keeler. He, he just, uh, the room was quiet before a game. And one of those two guys was on a huge slump. And I remember him, you know, he said, hey, to one of the two guys, I said, he's like, hey, are you ever going to score another goal? 
<laughs> and I remember being like, well, I was pretty rude. You know, <laughs> right. like, why would he, why would he, <laughs> what, what a dick. <laughs> but then as I got older, I understood what he was doing and he was being a leader. He was challenging that, that I think it was Matthew Darsh. I, he was challenging him. Like, you know what? We, we fucking need you like to score goals. Like, let's go. But as a leader, it's sometimes you, 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 you can't always be comfortable. You kind of have to be that guy. And he was that guy. He was a guy that would challenge us off the ice. He was a guy that would, you know, compete like a bastard in practice and, and make everybody better. And, um, and, you know, he didn't always have a whole bunch to say, but he was a guy that it really had a good grasp on our team and was a, was a little bit older than everybody. So he was a great guy that everybody leaned on. And when, when he said something, everybody listened. When you look at that 04, that 0304 team, and it's easy to look back now because we know that it was Calder Cup championship team. But you look at the centers on that team, yourself, Tony Herkus. You've mentioned these guys already. Yourself, Tony Herkus, uh, Wyatt Smith, Greg Claussen. I mean, th that's, that's pretty much interchangeable parts along the whole line. Maybe, maybe Herc's not playing a checking role, but all of you guys could, could – I mean, you played with, uh, with, with Hadar and with Gamash a lot, but you could easily have gone down to the fourth line and, and played, on a, played a, a checking role or a shutdown role. Yeah. No, it really was. Like, you think about that team now, about the, the depth we had in the middle was crazy. I mean, we were we, – we could shut teams down. We could – we you know, we'd score on the on the penalty kill. We'd – you know, they – we, we they, they, with Wyatt Smith and Tony Herkus, I was always checking. I was always going against – I was with Gamash and Hadar, but they could hide us against – away from those two – the top two lines because they would have to play against Tony and, and uh, Wyatt. And then yeah. you have Greg Klassen in the mix too. So like it, whatever way you, you, you tried to match up against us, Claude would find a way to get, you know, offense out of it because if it wasn't us scoring, it was Wyatt's line or it was uh Herc's line. So it was like, there was, we had so many weapons that, you know, it was tough to contain us and, you know, as the playoffs went along, you know, the first, the first series was a challenge. Like we went to seven and then the next series was six games. And then we just got better and better as it went on. It went seven, six, five, four. And, you know, we just found our, our, to elevate our game higher and higher as it went on. And we, we were a tough team to play against. We got into that groove right at the end of the year. And, um, you know, that was, it was just such a fun time. And then obviously Wade Flaherty and Matt, that's, a veteran goalie that you know makes the big saves when you need them. It was just such a special team, and you know Greg Zanin on on the back end blocked shots with his teeth, and we just <laughs> there's just so many components of that team that you know, and uh, it was just such a fun year, and just such it was it, it was such a, a pivotal point in my career because we they taught us how to win, and you know we were scared going into it, but those older guys be like, we got this, like they taught us how to be in big games and, you know, check our guts. And, you know, it's to this day, I, I think back on, on that kind of stuff when, you know, maybe I'm feeling like I can't do something. It's like, you know, we did it because those guys were standing behind us. I, I remember you saying, uh, I had read in an interview, I think you were playing with Dallas, you know, what's your most memorable hockey moment. And by that time you'd probably played five or 600 games in the NHL. And you still said winning the Calder cup with Milwaukee in 04. Uh, and that's just what winning does, right? It just, it, it creates the memories, it, it bonds the friendships, everything together. So a guy who's played, it's history. It's yeah, history. a guy who's played as many games in the NHL as you have still, that's right up there as maybe the best moment in your hockey career. Yeah, no, it was in, in uh, you know, to, to this day, I don't, I don't think I've, I've been back to Milwaukee one time since, but like, it's, I'd, I'd love to get back there. Like, you know, you've invited me a few times for a couple different celebrations, but just, you know, couldn't make it. But, um, you know, I, I just have so many great memories. Like I even remember the, 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 um, the, when we got back with the Calder cup waiting at the airport, like, right. I mean, and, you know, then we had the little parade thing at the Bradley center and, uh, you know, celebrations down at McGillicuddy's on Water Street, like all sorts of stuff. Like it's, you know, it's crazy that that was, you know, what, 16 years ago, 17 yeah. years ago, 16 years, yeah, 16 yeah. years ago. Yeah. yeah. Before we get into more specifics, I real, I want to ask you about 
Claude, Claude has the reputation, Claude Noel has the reputation of being unique, let's say, as, as a head coach. I'm curious, how unique is he? How, how different is he from other coaches you may have played for somewhere along the way? Uh, well, he was, he's one of my favorite coaches I played for. Um, he's very, he's a very honest guy. He's a, you know, he's a player's coach, but at the same time, he's got, he's got a pretty good bite to his bark. <laughs> and, uh, he was really good to me. He, he, uh, he was always very honest and, um, you know, he, 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 he was probably my biggest influence in, in, uh, in hockey, uh, at the pro level, just because, you know, I was kind of on the, the teeter-totter, whether I was going to be, a, you know, just a minor league player or whether I was going to be an NHL player. And I remember him, he, uh, one of the biggest, the biggest impacts that I think I, I had from him was I had, you know, been up and down with the, in, in Nashville and, you know, riding on the private planes and, you know, scoring goals and getting points. And, you know, then I got sent down one time to Rochester and, um, I, I just was just cheating offensively. Like, I mean, like I was dating the red line, the play's going on in the end. I'm, I'm out there <laughs> floating around, hoping the puck comes to me. And I remember him saying to me, no, it was in Syracuse. He said to me, he goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I, I, I you know what? I could hear his voice saying, what are you yeah. doing? I could hear it in his voice. I, yeah. It goes a little already, bit higher. <laughs> <laughs> and I already had two goals that game. And uh, I think we lost that game like seven to six or six to five. Yeah, or something it was, like that. it was, it was all, it was literally my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's like looking down at me. He's like, what are you, what are you doing? I go, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm scoring goals. <laughs> he looks at me, he goes, you, you, you're not defending. You're a defensive player. He goes, what do you come back and you're going to be a goal scorer? Cause you're an, he's like, that's not who you are. And I remember thinking to him, I'm like, yeah, right. Like I got two goals. So I remember we got to uh, Rochester and, you know, I, I'm coming down from the NHL. I had two goals the night before and he sat me out in, in, uh, in Rochester. Really? And, I, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa here. I remember coming down the hallway in the hotel and usually me and Claude had a pretty joking relationship. He used to call me a stallion. <laughs> yeah. there's my stallion so i you know i'm walking down the lobby and i go to go by i'm thinking that he's gonna be like hey stallion two goals last night he doesn't say one word to me and i'm like oh boy uh-oh <laughs> this isn't good. this isn't good i'm like he must be, must be pissed you know i think i had two goals and i was minus three or something so you know i'm like ah, oh, that's not that bad just get i'm just getting the nhl cobwebs out here right and, uh, and I get to the, to the rink and my name's not on the assist. So I go in and talk. He's like, if you're not going to play defense, you're not going to play. And I'm like, oh, well, like, okay, well, I'll play defense. He goes, you're going to, you're going to take the night off. And it, it, we played two games there and I'm thinking, well, I'll play the next game. He sat me out for that one too. For both of them, huh? And it was a huge wake up call because I'm thinking, well, what if someone gets hurt in Nashville? I won't, like, I'm not going to get called up. Right. And I remember that, that in my brain, that was like, you know what, I got to play the right way or I'm not going to get my chance and, um, you know, move on. And I remember having this conversation with Claude like four or five years after that. And he's like, it was the hardest thing I could do because I love, I loved you so much, but he goes, I need, I knew you needed that for your career and that, that would make you better in the long run. So, you know, that was a huge impact on, on my career. I mean, our, our old, one of our old coaches, Dean Evison, he, that's what he would say. He's like, the only recourse that us as, as coaches have to poor play is playing time. And we can yell at guys, but it doesn't – the only real motivating factor is playing time. So if you don't play well, I don't care who you are, you're not going to play. And that's, that's sort of always been my thought was, you know, that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And obviously that worked for you. Yeah. Um. You might not know this, maybe you do, uh, that you your picture from holding up the cup, it's phenomenal picture, was on the front page of the of the journal Sentinel after we won the Calder Cup. Just holding it up, great playoff Actually, beard. I, ha I have a copy of it. Do you? Yeah, yeah, great playoff beard, which you probably grew in about three days, uh, and just hoisting the thing up. And I, I've asked a lot of guys this that we've had on this from uh, from that team. 
we had the luxury of knowing we were going to win the cup. Come third period, we're up seven to one or whatever. You knew that we were, we were going to win. What was going through your mind the last minute? Did you have a plan for as soon as we win it? What are you going to do? You want to get it in the pile? You want not want to get crushed? What, what was going through your head? You know what? That, that was, uh, that's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that was one of my, my most special moments in my whole career was we, we, we knew like we had a huge lead and um, what was it? Seven, nothing going into the last, I think seven to one. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, and I remember er they, they had brought everybody down on the bench. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah, Mike we Farrell. Just, yeah. Like everybody was standing on the bench and like to, to be able to enjoy that last like five minutes, I remember like, you know, Claude kept sending us out there and like, you just, you're like, you just didn't want it to end because you knew that, you know, this, this, this was, was like it. our last, this was it. This was our last day on the ice together. And I remember the day before we were up three, nothing in the series and Claude Noel, we had a practice scheduled and everybody's like, why are we practicing? And I remember Claude called practice. I'm sure you remember this. Claude pr called practice and he goes, we're practicing. He goes, this, this is going to be our last this will probably be our last practice together. And we all practiced. And uh, that was like such a fun practice because we all knew we were going to, we, we just, we knew we, we, we wanted that championship so bad that um, we were going to win. And, you know, that obviously we got up quick in, in game four. And to have that moment though with everybody was on there. I mean, even remember, you know, Ray Shiro and, um, you know, the Nashville brass was all there and, all the guys that hadn't played every game and injured guys and Scotty Upshaw and sure. you know, all the guys, we, we were all like just laughing and, you know, we just couldn't wait for that buzzer to go. But we were at the same time, we were like, ah, oh, we don't want it to end. We wish it just could go longer. Right. But when, when we finally got, you know, the, the buzzer went, I remember just jumping over the boards and just chucking my gloves up in the air and going down by Wade Flaherty. And, um, you know, that was a, that was a night that, you know, it was, it, was, it was a great memory to go celebrate. And we had the champagne go in the dressing room and all that. So it was a pretty cool feeling. Remember, I, Claude, a few weeks ago on this, didn't he say that Pitts, or that Wilkesbury did not practice, right? They gave right. them the players the day off to try to, he said yeah. something something like, figure it out and, and walked away. And everybody on the team was like, what? Huh? You know, I mean, that's, yeah. so I'm curious. So we've, we've talked about Claude. And now that you're a coach, I'm curious if you, if you look back at the mind games that were played in that series between the coaches, uh, you know, Terry and going nuts on the bench <laughs> uh, and in trying, to, trying to, yeah. And trying to beat up Claude or whatever, uh, just things like that and, and matchups and, and all of that stuff. I mean, what do you remember from all of that? Yeah. Like I, I remember, you know, Claude, Claude at that point, like uh, Claude had, like he was just letting us play. Like he, he, I remember like him even saying like, we don't have a whole, him and Todd Richards did a, such a great job. Like they knew when we should practice and when we shouldn't. And, you know, the, the huge gap between games because of, you know, just playing on weekends and the, the you know, I remember we had to play the Western conference in Buffalo. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, just the different, the different strategies that they came through and, you know, as a player, you just don't, sometimes you just don't think about that. Like you just, you get the text on your phone. It's like, Hey, we're going here. We got to play them. But, but now as a coach, you know, there's, there's a lot of those kind of things that, you know, play into the game within the game where, you know, if Terrian's yelling and screaming on the bench, it probably is trying to fire his team up one way or another, you know, like, sure. I know, I know with our team, um, if, if, if you get yelling at the refs and screaming at the refs, well then all the kids start yelling and screaming at the refs. And it's like, all right. So, you know, as a coach, you really got to be composed and, you know, you look at all the good coaches in, in the NHL and, you know, at the American league, they're all pretty composed. They don't say a whole bunch. Um, they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty even keel. And usually the even keel coaches have the even keel teams and are successful. So, um, you know, there's lots of strategy and tactics behind it, but I try to stay pretty, pretty, uh, you know, even Keel, but at times it's tough to stay even keel because you know there's emotions in the game and just because I don't have my skates on there's still lots of times you get revved up and you know you just got to try to control yourself. What was the celebration like in Wilkes-Barre Pennsylvania after you win the championship and 
like you said, you know that it's it's over. The run for that team is over, and literally two days later, probably guys are moving and heading back to wherever they're from in this world. Yeah, it was. Uh, Did you sleep? Was, oh no, no, I uh, <laughs> I didn't. We had. Uh, well, we had like a charter. Did we took? Did we take a charter back, Charlie? Well, no. Aggie, Aggie said uh, too. Aggie said that the the bus blew a tire on the way to uh, on the way to the airport. To the airport, not? yeah, it did. The chartered bus. We had to fly out of Newark from Wilkesbury, so it left super early the next morning, and then it blew a tire, and you know, <laughs> nobody. Well, we, we, it didn't matter. We still, right? we still chartered, right? No, did no, we, we were we were straight commercial. commercial. Yeah. Oh, okay. I always thought we chartered for some reason, but I just remember having the cup on the plane and uh, uh, Andrew Hutchinson was just, just had us all in stitches the whole way home. And I remember getting off the plane in Milwaukee Milwaukee to, you know, a bunch of screaming fans and walking down. And I remember just dropping our bags at the Bradley Center and we didn't even go home. Like, I think we still had our suits on at, at the bar and, um, you know, it was like about a 72 hour, uh, party that, you know, not, <laughs> not many of us got much sleep, but cause everyone was leaving, um, you know, everyone we knew like, and it was, it had gone so late. Like, I think it was mid June before we got out of there. Yeah. And I remember packing my stuff up and getting a call from Ray Shiro and he's like, Hey, you're coming to Nashville all summer. And I was just like, Oh my God. <laughs> Am I really? <laughs> <laughs> Like I can't even go home and I got to go home for like a week and go work out in Nashville for the rest of the summer. You know, actually uh, it's always been the tradition that uh, every player on the Stanley cup winning team gets the cup for a day. But back then when we won it, that wasn't necessarily the tradition. Not everyone got it, but we sent it to a couple guys and you were one of them. I remember sending it up to you uh, and you had it for however long and you sent it back and you could tell that it had been nicely used (laughs) Uh, uh, we had to clean it out a little bit, but what, what did you get? What did you do with the cup, uh, back, back home? And, uh, I don't know how long you had it, probably a couple of days or something like that. Yeah, I had, a, I had it for a weekend. I remember we, I, I requested to get it up there and we had a big, uh, big party. I had just built a, or bought a house uh, and we built a huge deck on the back. And, um, you know, I, I just invited everybody over all my family and friends and we had a big shindig and, um, you know, drank out of it all night and then we took it, took it out to the bar and, you know, just did all the regular things. Like, you know, everybody didn't know what, no one really knew what it was that everyone was drinking out of it. And, um, you know, it was fun though. It was fun to just, just, you know, get that, that chance to, to, to have it over and my mom and dad holding it in pictures. I still look at the pictures that, you know, we got to have with them and, you know, my little nephew and, uh, you know, just all kinds of you know, things that you, when you win a championship that you can look back and smile on the memories and pictures that you have. So at the next season, you're on the cusp of being in the NHL. You've spent the summer in Nashville and then there's no season. So you got to come back to Milwaukee. How disappointing was that? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was obviously really disappointing because, you know, you spend all summer in Nashville training and, you know, they're telling you that, you know, you're, you're slotted in for that fourth line role. It's yours to, you know, kind of lose. And, um, but at the, at the same time, they're they're like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the NHL. So, you know, you're, we're going to wait. And I remember them signing me to an NHL contract, but I ended up signing an independent deal to come to Milwaukee and play because, you know, there was at times talk that I wasn't going to be eligible to go down and play with the contract I signed. Um, So I was, talking to a team in Germany to go over there and play, but um, I never wanted to do that. I, I knew I wanted to go back to Milwaukee and play just because, you know, we had just won the Calder cup and it was a great experience and great city. And, you know, I knew the teammates and stuff. So I was really excited when I got to sign that independent deal with Milwaukee to come back. And, and then what a year we had again, we had, uh, you know, a outstanding regular season game uh, season or regular season. Uh, and then just in the playoffs, something just, just, it, it just wasn't our time. We, whether we ran out of gas or whatever it was, it was, it was just, it wasn't our time, but still the, the regular season and everything we had was great because no one was focused on getting called up. Everyone just knew we were all going to be there. We weren't going to, you know, have to worry about losing guys here and losing guys there. 
Um, but it was another outstanding year for personally for me to, to develop and grow as a, a, a pro. Uh, you know, Claude was great with us again. And, um, you know, we, we just, we really didn't, you know, have any dips in the season where it just kind of took off from where it left off in the Calder Cup final. And, um, you know, I, I think of a little bit of it was just we ran out of gas, maybe had too many beers or we knew we weren't getting called up. So we had too many afternoon shifts at, at, on Water Street there. <laughs> so I don't think I've ever told, I don't know if I've told you this story. I probably have, but Milwaukee, there's no NHL and Nashville uh, doesn't know what to do. So they bring us down for the second game of the season to play in Nashville. And so my wife and I are flying down to Nashville and who's sitting in the seats right in front of us on the plane, but your parents are, and they didn't have, they, they get to the, uh, and we land. Was he leaning and, forward? What? what <laughs> I didn't notice. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> notice. Uh, and so they land and we said, uh, you know, where are you staying? And I said, are they, uh, and they didn't have a car. So they didn't have any way to get to their hotel. So they weren't staying downtown by the, I think back then it was the Gaylord. Um, they didn't have anywhere to, they didn't have a place to get out there. So my wife and I just picked up your parents and we drove to, uh, uh, drove them to their hotel. I think we, uh, I can't remember if we picked them up for the game or not, but it was so, that was such a Milwaukee thing to happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is to, to have that experience. And, you know, your parents, obviously, you wouldn't, I don't think you'd argue, were just wonderful, down-to-earth people. It was fun to talk with them and chat with them and, uh, and you know, even talk about the last season and what's coming up. Uh, but I don't know if I've ever told you that story. It's not really a question. It's more of a statement uh, to, 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 to what's going on. Um, but the next year, first of all, I got to ask, you were 28. You started as number 28. Then you switched to number 39. Why? What, what was the, uh, what was the uh, reason for that? Uh, why did I switch? 20, uh, I can't remember. Oh, uh, my favorite player was Doug Waite in the, in the NHL. And I, I wanted this. I didn't like 28. That was just given to me when I got there. Sure. Uh, and I, and I, I liked, I liked 38, 30. I was 38 in Nashville and I wanted something like, like 39 was always my, my number. Uh, and, and Doug Waite was my favorite player. So, I think one of the older guys may have wanted 28 and I, I got to pick my own number for, for some reason. So that's why I picked 39. Dougie Waite was my favorite player. Sure. Uh, so 0506, I, I don't remember if you started the season in Nashville, but you came down, you were down at the beginning uh, of the year. And, uh, but then that was the year that sort of you made your transition from like maybe a, a tweener, to full-time NHL guy never came back and yeah, never, never came, came back. back. Yeah. Uh, you know what? In training camp, I got hurt. I hurt my ankle and I, uh, I missed a little bit of the, the preseason and I remember getting sent down being really disappointed. Uh, but it took me like five or six games or seven games to get called back up. And, um, I remember it was me and Jared Smithson. We're, we're playing a lot together. A lot of the penalty kill together and, uh, you know, started to, you know, you know, play every night where we knew we were in the lineup where it wasn't like, Oh, I wonder if I'm not playing. It was like, we were making, you know, a good impact on the, uh, in the lineup. And I remember he came to me and uh, Barry Trotz came to me and Smitty on the plane and we were always sitting together. We were roommates on the road and he came to me and he goes, Hey, you guys come see me in the morning. And, and I'm thinking to Smitty, I'm thinking, Oh, you fucking kidding me. Like we're getting sent down. Here like, we go. You know, like, <laughs> I had been scoring a few goals and, you know, we were playing like I was playing third line and I'm like, you know, what am I going to have to do to finally make any, I remember going, I'm like, I couldn't sleep all night. I'm like, I'm, I went, I went into the office early as I could. And I went in there and he go, he says, sit down. And I'm thinking this, this is unbelievable. And he goes, well, I'm going to tell Smitty the same thing, but you guys need to go find a house or an apartment, whatever you guys want to do. He goes, you're, you're here for good. Uh, and you know, don't think that, you know, you can't get this taken away cause we can still send you down, but you know, you're, you're a part of our team and you know, it's time for you guys to, you know, get your families here or your girlfriends here, whatever you guys want to do, but get in the apartment, buy a house, whatever you want to do. You're here to stay for the season. And I just remember being like, you know, finally I'm going to get my chance to, you know, play as a regular every night and, 
obviously I got to earn it, but it was just more motivation than anything. And, you know, you finally could, you know, maybe put your guard down a little bit and, and, and enjoy the moment a little bit more where you're not always worried about coming to the ring. For me and Smitty to do it together, Smitty just lives down the road here in Vernon. Uh, and, you know, we, we still get to see him a little bit. And for me, me and him to share that together, we had all worked so hard to, to you know, continue to stay there. And, and we got to share that moment together. So that was pretty special. I'm curious, you played 800-some uh, games in the NHL. Um, I, I read something here earlier before we did this about how you can play all those games in the NHL, you win a championship in the American Hockey League, and people, all they want to talk about is Kevin BX's face. Yeah. <laughs> is, that all, is that still all the time? Well, yeah. You know, you know what the worst part about that is is – is, is it happened against the Vancouver Canucks and my summer house is in British Columbia, which Vancouver is their team. So like these people don't miss anything that goes on with the Canucks. <laughs> and I just happen to live in a city with, you know, the Canucks are everything to British Columbia people. So it doesn't matter where I go. People will, you know, be like, Hey, give me that face. Or, you know, we're all for drinks. Hey, can I get a picture with you? Can you do that face? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I was in Victoria, British Columbia, and uh, we were playing the team there, the Royals. And I mean, it, it must have been—I must have got it about eight times over the course of two days of this Kevin Bieksa thing. And our one coach is like, "What? What? What is that thing?" And I said, "Well, look it up online." And he goes, "I had no idea that was you. I thought that was someone else." So, but you know, I get—I get a lot of heat for that. <laughs> Well, it's, I guess it's better to re be remembered for something than nothing at all, right? That's right. <laughs> Still, what? It, what? It, I, yeah, it's it's one of the great things ever. Char uh, Charlie, you got anything else here? To yeah, I. I mean, I. I think we should. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, going back to Nashville after at the end. Yeah, at the end of your career, like, gosh, you play. Uh, I don't know how many more guys have – how many guy, undrafted players have played more games in the NHL than you have, but it can't be very many, probably a handful. Uh, and you've, to finish out your career the way you did, obviously it would have been – the storybook would have been to win the Stanley Cup. But If it just, was a Disney movie, that's what would have happened. And yeah, for sure. That was a, it would have been a Disney movie. Just take us through that last season coming over from New Jersey uh, when you get traded. and. Uh, what that was like to go on that ride, especially as a veteran of so many games in the NHL. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually crazy how it all went down. Like the GM of New Jersey who originally signed me that summer um, was Ray Shiro. Right. Mm -hmm. Who was your so, GM in Milwaukee. So our GM in Milwaukee and then in Nashville for years and, you know, had a really good relationship with him. And I was going to retire after my last year in Dallas and, um, you know, I started working out in June. I started feeling pretty good, but I had told my agent, I'm like, I, I think I'm done. I'm just going to continue to work out to stay in shape. But, you know, and he told me about in, in uh, mid-June, he said, you know, there's, there's a couple teams that have called me and, you know, I kind of asked them who, and I said, like, I really want to stay in the West. I don't want to, you know, you know, Dallas had told me they were going to, they didn't, they didn't have room for me to sign me, but they were going to give me a job and uh, keep me in the front office or, you know, just be around and, uh, I was like, you know, we'll talk once the summer's over. And they were like, oh, that's great. And But then Ray Shiro called me about five days before free agency. And, you know, he says, well, what, what's your plan? I said, well, Ray, I'm not I, – nothing against, you know, you, but I, 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 I'm not coming to New Jersey. Like, it's just so far. Like, it's far from my – my set. kids are going to school in Dallas. Like, regardless what happened, they were just going to stay there. And Ray – you know, we had some good conversations with Ray and then uh, I said, well, let's, let's see. And I, 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 you know, I was feeling them out where we were going to be at for money wise and that. And, you know, so Ray phoned me on, on July 1st and he said, well, where are you at? And I said, well, I said, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of have the itch to play, but you know, I got to see where the, our contracts are at. So he offered me a contract that I was happy with. And I said, you know what, I'll, I'll come, but I, I, I want days off so I can fly back to see my family every 10 days. And he said, that's no problem get out to New Jersey. You know, we have a really good start and I, I blow my knee out. I, I blew my MCL out. So I was out like 10 weeks and uh, Ray called me and he goes, come up to my office for a, 
coffee. So I went up to the up there and I was flying back and forth to Dallas uh, to see my family. You know, I was rehabbing back there and Ray said, well, he goes, we got to get you healthy. I think he's like, I think I can, I can get you to a contender. There's a couple of teams that have called on you. And I said, well, that'd be unbelievable. Like yeah. I said, but I got to make sure I could skeet and which I couldn't when I came back. Um, <laughs> and uh, he said, well, one of the teams is, is, uh, in the Western conference, I, I'm not going to name who it is, but it was, it was in the Preds and they're, they're, they're in first place. And I said, well, really? And he goes, yeah, he goes. And I'm like, well, I go, that'd be good. Like, you know, I'd be f- for sure a shot at the playoffs. And so we were kind of waiting and then they got me in a game in Philly and, you know, I got cleared to play and, you know, I was still a little bit behind. Like I knew I was going to have to play some games to get going. And I remember that team was going on a road trip. Me and Gray had a conversation and uh, he said, well, you're going to stay back. Uh, you know, we're, we had some conversations about, you know, I, 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 was, I wasn't, I wasn't where I wanted to be as far as like, uh, you know, my, where my legs were. And so I said, well, I'm going to, he said, I think I got you traded. I just stay back. So we had that conversation and, you know, the team was wondering what the hell was going on. And, you know, I was basically just telling everyone I was, I was sick and, you know, I, yeah. you know, I didn't want to distract the team. I just wanted everything to kind of be like, I'm not feeling my greatest, whatever that next, that next, that next day, Ray phoned me and he goes, Hey, listen, I got something on the go here. So he goes, stay on your phone. In the meantime, my phone dies. Like, I mean, completely <laughs> dies. Like I, I have to go to Verizon and I have to, but I'm thinking oh, it'll be a half an hour. Right. And I give them my phone. I go walk around the mall, go back 45 minutes later. They're like your phone's still not ready. Go back an hour and 15 minutes later. They call me and they're like, yeah, your phone's ready. They, they grab the Apple guy grabs me. And he says, hey, sit down. We're going to bring an Apple counselor out. And I'm thinking, what the hell is this? The guy goes, hey, we got really good news and we got really bad news. I go, okay. Like, just tell me what the fuck's going on with my phone. He goes, well, he's like, you're going to get a brand new phone. The bad news is we've deleted every contact from your phone. So you're not going to know who's calling you. So I get my phone back. I get my phone back. And... There's like, there's like 30 missed calls from my phone and I don't know who it is. And then there's a text message. It's like, Hey, Fids, when you wake up, give me a call. And it's, it's early. Like it's only like 10 o'clock. And I, I texted back. I go, sorry, who is this? Cause I didn't know who it was. And, and Ray Shiro goes, ha ha, it's Ray. So right away I call Ray. I'm like, yeah, Oh, like, Ray, I'm... Sorry, this is what happened. He goes, well, I got some really good news. He goes, I think I got you traded to the West. And I go, okay, well, where he goes, I think I just had a good conversation with David. You're, they want you back in Nashville. They know you're not, you know, not at a hundred percent, but they'll get you in shape and they'll get you feeling better. And uh, he's like, we're trading you to Nashville. And I said, okay. He's like, well, you can't tell anybody. Uh, and I, he's like, I got it. We got to finalize it with the league. And like, I phoned my wife and I'll go, I said, you'll never believe this. Like, David Poyle is just traded back for me and you know, they're, they need some veteran leadership in the room. And, you know, they said that, uh, you know, they, they, they don't know where I'll be at, but you know, you'll, you'll be a veteran presence in the room, whether you play or not. And I was just like, I was so happy to get back closer to home and, you know, be back in the West somewhere where I was familiar with. And, and then what a, what a, it was just like the funnest, one of the second, probably the second funnest time of my career besides Milwaukee was, you know, we, we had that, that same connection as, as we did in Milwaukee, everybody worked together. And, and then we started getting better and better as the season went on. Peter Laviolette, Phil Housley, they just did an amazing job with the team. They motivated us. They, they kept us uh, positive all the time. We were, and then we really started to win games. Our big dogs really started to play well. You know, our depth guys, uh, we had great depth guys. Uh, went into the playoffs and um, you know we swept Chicago and nobody took us everybody was taking us to get swept and we just started getting timely goals for everybody Uh, for me I was I I just couldn't stay healthy I was you know break I broke my hand I broke my collarbone twice I you know it was just one of those things where I, I was at the end of my career and I had rode my diesel diesel engine so hard that there wasn't much left in the tank but it was just a great great time you know we got to the series with St. Louis and you know I got back healthy and got back in the lineup and started contributing 
you know, scored a big game-winning goal and delayed in a game. And, you know, the city was just like crazy, like getting back off the plane, off the charter at two in the morning. Sometimes we fly in the morning till we get a good night's sleep, like five to 7,000 people waiting at the isn't, airport. Isn't that crazy to think that like when you started playing in Nashville, the, the organization's not even 10 years old and those fans, probably, half of them couldn't tell a hockey puck from well, a- Well, and it's uh, going to move and it was going to move. Yeah, right. Well, Right. Well, they, would, they would cheer when both teams scored. They didn't know what was going on. Like, it didn't matter. If, but to, to go back to where that they evolved into was like, I mean, it was nuts, Charlie. Like, we were, I mean, you saw it outside the rink before games. Like, game, I remember game six against Anaheim. We were, we were pulling up and, and we were all, you know, driving. We we're looking at each other like, what is going on? Like, there was like 100,000 people outside of our rink. Like, it was. Because like, wow. you'd come over warm up and there wasn't an empty seat. They're all standing watching, like cheering. It was yeah. How, was how did you get? How did you deal with tickets for like you? By that time, you, like we've said, you've been married, you have kids, you've got your parents. Like, how did you manage the tickets? Like, I remember somebody told us, you know, that Ryan Ellis is like, I just paid, I just had to pay ten grand for a bunch of tickets for extra family. Like, yeah, it was like it was like close to. You know, like, you know, we had to minimize it because we didn't have a whole bunch. So it was like immediate family and, um, you know, my wife, my kids, my my uh, wife's sisters, like, you know, mi real minimal stuff. And then I have a friend that I've been friend there, friends with for years. He had a suite, so he was able to get me a couple every game. But, yeah, it was – they're like six, $700 a ticket, you know, just for, you know, for one game. Just to get was, in the building, yeah. yeah. But But, like – I mean, you could have sold those tickets for 5,000 for one ticket, um, yeah. you know, through the run. And then, you know, to come that short, like I even remember thinking um, to, to win a championship with that organization uh, as a young guy. And now we're, we, you know, we're coming so close to winning a Stanley cup. It would have been a really great story, but just fell short. And, you know, we had a couple injuries up front with uh, Johansson and, and uh you know mike fisher was out for a little bit so it that, that ended up i think if those two guys wouldn't have went down i think we would have been hoisted in that cup because we were a team to be reckoned with for sure and obviously the guy who scores the game winning goal uh yeah. is a guy that you played with Pete, or, well, yeah. did you play with hornquist in nashville i, I did yeah a few years so yeah it, it's you know the way it all broke down was uh it, you know it was just you know it, it was, you know, a lucky shot from behind and at the game yeah. winner. And it was, it was just like, it was so disappointing to go all that way. And, you know, I knew I wasn't going to play that next year. I just, I just knew I was done. Right. And I remember leaving, I remember leaving the, the, the arena and, uh, you know, there was my son, my son, my son and daughter both said something and my son was in just in tears. And he said to me, dad, he goes, I know how bad you wanted that your name on our name on that Stanley Cup. He goes, I know you didn't get it, but I'm gonna get it on. I'm gonna get it on there for you. And you know, <laughs> we had we had a good cry over that. And then my daughter, she she pipes up in the back seat and she goes, "Oh, I'm so disappointed, Dad." She goes, "I was really looking forward to going on that private plane to 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 Pittsburgh tomorrow." <laughs> so uh, we got good. both sides of it. <laughs> well, I think the most important thing about all of this, Vern, is that you got most of your contacts back. That's right. I, was, I actually want to know how you remembered your wife's phone number. Like, I, if I had to call my wife and dial her phone number I, right now, I don't know that I could do it. Well, I remembered, I remembered hers. I, I, uh, my agent called me right away because he was in the mix with uh, the permission from sure. teams and stuff. And, yep. But then, but then it, it got announced, right? So it was like probably five or six Eastern time. And it went out, so it was early back home. Like it was, you know, three hours earlier. So in where I'm from in BC and Alberta, and I remember my phone just started blowing up. Like I mean, hundreds of texts, and I'm I'm like, I I got nothing. You like got I'm no like, clue. Th thank you. Like, <laughs> That's right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. 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 Pal. That's, good. That's yeah. great. Uh, as as we close, and I've said this to you a couple of times, Vern, and this this is actually the first time I've seen you probably since you left Milwaukee, but. I was just, I just got the job. Kyle had, Kyle Schultz had passed and it was an awful time for people uh, in Milwaukee and, uh, and in hockey. And um, we were getting on the bus to go to the airport to fly to Omaha. And 
you came up to me from the back of the bus. I had no idea where to go. I was trying to be as, for a fat guy, I was trying to be as small as possible and uh, <laughs> didn't know how I fit in. And you came up from the back of the bus, patted me on the back and said, I'm Vern Fiddler and we're happy to have you with us. Oh, that's and, great. And it made, I don't know if you remember that at all, but it will never, it, it, I will never forget it. It, it made me feel uh, like, like you, you talk about confidence that, that people gave you. That It made me feel a hundred feet tall at that point. So I can't thank you enough because I don't know that I'd be here if it weren't for you walking up from the back of the bus to say hi. And well, I, 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 I really appreciate, appreciate that. I appreciate that. You're, you're a new part of our team. And, um, you know, I always try to include everybody that's part of our team because it, it takes a tribe to win, win games and win a championship. And you guys are just as big a part of it as, as, as the players. Uh, I'll also tell you, I mean, not to keep pumping your tires here, but, the first player to ever get me a tip at the end of the season was was you, and I don't. You probably don't even remember what you gave me. You just asked me offhandedly one time, "Hey, what do you like to drink?" I was like, "I don't know, vodka." Next day, uh, I got a bottle of Sky Vodka sitting on the uh, with, uh, that you handed to me. It was very nice. It was very nice. So you'll all, I'll always remember. I'll remember you for a lot of things for sure. But that that'll definitely be uh, uh, one of them. Very awesome. fondly. Very awesome. fondly. It was great to see you, man. Great to talk to you. Uh, all the best. Stay well. It looks beautiful where you are, so hopefully the weather continues to yeah. cooperate and you can and, uh, get back to hockey here soon. And don't make any plans for the summer for about July of 2024. We got to have that 20-year uh, 20-year reunion. Calder oh, Cup you, reunion. You got to get that. You got to get that going. Yeah. If it's in the summer, I'm there. Yeah, I think <laughs> like we tried to organize something. Uh, the uh, uh, 15. 15 and it was just too many guys still in hockey still right? playing yeah. Uh, yeah playing or coaching or even like overseas whatever yeah, yeah. wherever so we're gonna do we'll do it in the summertime and uh that's when milwaukee's the best anyway so it'll be a blast yeah that'd be great well great chatting with you guys best of luck stay safe thanks you thank too, you Fitz. Vern. that's Vern fiddler thank you so much for listening to this milwaukee admiral podcast <laughs>